Hey, I'm Tegan Nash, and welcome to Sound Mind, Sound Body Stories, a podcast powered by ASICS. Today's story comes from another farm girl, Olympic gold medalist and Rugby Sevens Tokyo Olympics contender, Charlotte Kaslik. I spoke to Charlotte in our studio in Bondi as she was stepping up her training for the Olympics, even though she was still recovering from a spinal injury that ended her season with the Sydney Roosters prematurely. We had such a great chat about how she maintains a sound mind in a sound body despite injury and how she relaxes by hanging out with her animals and fixing fences on the farm. Here's my chat with Rugby Sevens Olympian Charlotte Kaslik. Charlotte, it's so great to see you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Now, you are really kicking some goals, especially for women in sport. But I kind of want to know, how did it all start for you? Well, I've played sport pretty much my whole life. I first started playing hockey when I was four. So we played in minkies and then played hockey until I finished school when I was 17. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of athletics and cross country all through primary school and a little bit of high school. Started playing touch football when I was about nine, ten, because my brothers were playing it as well. And so that's sort of how I led into rugby was through my touch football. But probably my point of difference in terms of rugby sevens is my ability to be able to run and mm-hmm. my repeat efforts. And I think I definitely got that from my athletics background. Yeah, all the sports that I played as a young girl kind of got me to where I am today, I think. Yeah. And did I read somewhere that uh, when you were younger, you wanted to have an all-girls rugby team uh, and your dad sort of helped make that happen? Yeah so when I was finishing high school I would have been about 16 and I was starting to get involved with the rugby and like the opportunity to go to an Olympic Games came up and then the only way you could play rugby was if you played in um, like the 15 aside version of it but I was only interested in sevens because that was what was in the Olympic Games. Yeah. So yeah, my school, which is actually a really big rugby school in Brisbane, said that they couldn't put a team in to the like, local trials to make the Queensland side. So yeah, dad sort of helped me out and we rallied a few of my touch mates together and put a team in and we won that. And then from there, he sort of established a team called Tribe Sevens, which toured all over the world. Um, a lot of the players that have played with Tribe Sevens have gone on to play for Australia and um I think there's six or seven that are playing super rugby at the moment as well. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool little pathway that he set up and that was just due to him being passionate about rugby. That's so great that you had that support network at home. Like your dad's like, yeah, okay, school's not going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. Uh, What was it like growing up with brothers and, you know, everyone being really into sport and rugby? Were you ever competitive with one another? Yeah, very competitive. So my brothers, they'd played rugby since they were five um, and I'd always go down to training and yeah, hang out with the boys and join in at the end of training when the parents were at the bar and we'd all just be out on the backfield sort of mucking around. And I think like rugby and rugby league were always on the TV at home. Yeah, my brothers played both rugby and rugby league. So every weekend was full of going to watch sport and dad always was part of the coaching and was involved that way. So I think it kind of was, yeah, it was a huge part of my childhood and growing up. And it's kind of cool looking back to see that I've found myself in the sport and the job that I'm in now. Yeah, it's phenomenal. How do you think that you've evolved over time from, you know, playing back when you were younger, going to the Olympics, winning? That was so electric. 
when you guys won and then to now? When I was younger, I used to get like really frustrated really easily. So Mm -hmm. when I'd play school sport or even club sport, I used to just get really frustrated because I loved it and I was really passionate and I probably didn't know how to channel that energy Mm -hmm. at times. So as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more composed, which I think is nice. Yeah, in terms of that, I've sort of grown a lot as like a person as well through my sport. How do you prepare for like a big competition? So like the Rio Olympics, obviously there's so much physically that you need to prepare for and you are in a team as well, but also you need to prepare mentally. How do you balance all of those things? Yeah, I think the team aspect makes it a little bit more challenging at times. I think there's parts of being in a team that make it easier for sure because you're running out there alongside six other girls and the five girls on the bench and I guess the expectations and the workload and all of that is shared but then you've also got 11 other personalities in the group that you've got to work with Mm -hmm. and work alongside and we all have different ways that we do go through the challenges that we're faced when we go into an Olympic Games so yeah there's definitely times where it's so great to have everyone but when you just want to focus on yourself you've got to be really mindful that I guess that's not affecting the girls around you. Yeah. What are some things that you do to sort of like centre yourself? Well, I have a farm up in Queensland. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if I'm feeling like I need a little bit of a break and a refresh, I usually head up there and I spend heaps of time with my family up there, my animals. and What sort of animals do you have? um, (laughs) We've got horses, cows, alpacas. Oh my gosh, fun. Um, but alpacas the ones that spit? No, they're llamas. Llamas. So we've got the nice ones. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> and we recently just got a little buffalo. Um, she's really cute and quiet. Cute. I haven't met her yet, but I can't wait to go home and meet her, which is really cute. So yeah, lots of kind of different animals, but it is a cattle farm. I sort of just collect all these random animals and my partner, Lewis, yeah, doesn't try to associate with them too much. So that's kind of a special place for me to be able to refresh. And then in terms of like how I'm feeling mentally with rugby, I talk to a sports psych mm-hmm. sometimes more often than not. Kind of depends on how I'm going or if I've recently been injured or, yeah, I just give him a call and we chat and he's just an outsider, I guess, and an outside perspective that can either like bring me back to earth or tell me that my worries and concerns are valid at times. So, yeah, yeah, just to bounce ideas off. And then also, I guess, having my fiancé, Lewis, who is also an elite athlete, helps as well. He understands. Yeah, so he also plays rugby. How do you both go at home? Do you Is the conversation about rugby or do you try and, like, steer clear of that? Um, We don't talk about rugby too much, but he's currently living in Melbourne, so... Yeah, we're kind of doing long distance and I get down to try and watch him play as much as I can. But uh, you can't really help but talk about it at times. Like after a game, we debrief or... And I guess you're both so passionate about it that you want to talk about it. Yeah. Like he's a really intelligent footballer and he's probably taught me a lot in terms of like that composure that I once lacked as a young child. So yeah, we're very different, but we kind of can give each other ideas and balance each other out in a way. And yeah, he just gets it. Like when you come home from trading frustrated or if you feel unmotivated, like we both go through those times. So it's, he knows what to say, I guess, to help me get out of it. Yeah. He's a good support system for you. Yeah. You were talking about coming out of injury. You just hurt your back recently. 
How did you cope through that? I haven't had any like super serious long-term injuries, but for the last probably two years, I've had like back-to-back little ones Mm -hmm. that have been just really frustrating because I felt like I was getting back to my best and then tear my hamstring and then I trained again and then I did my calf and then was back playing again and then I fractured my back and like it just sort of seemed like I was never going to feel good in my body again at one stage. I can't speak from like an injury perspective, but I have Crohn's disease. And so when I get really sick or I have a flare up, it's almost like it's frustrating. It's really frustrating for me because I'm like, when will I ever feel good again? Like when can I get out and go for a run? When can I go and hang out with friends? And I feel like I get sucked into like this mental vortex where I'm like going round and around and around in circles. Yeah, no, for sure. That's exactly how it kind of felt. And there's definitely days where I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel as good as I did say in Rio or was like, am I just old or I don't know. (laughs) You kind of like all these things go through your mind. But in saying that, like my partner, Lewis, again, he's had a lot of injuries. So I try not to complain too much about mine because he's had a lot worse than me. And he was extremely resilient through like when he snapped his Achilles. That's probably given me a insight I guess into how to respond to them at times yeah I just try and find the positives in them so like when I hurt my back I got to go spend a lot of time back at the farm and obviously with everything that was going on with COVID and the postponement of the Olympics and stuff it was probably like a good time for me to have that little bit of a break and yeah like when I've I broke my hand and ruptured a tendon in my finger one time and that it was almost perfect timing because then I got to go back and just do a lot of running and I felt like I got back to my fittest through that period because I couldn't do any of the contact and catch pass. So yeah, I always just try and find the positives, I guess, out of the injuries. And I think once you sort of look for them, they are there. Yeah. We get through it. I'm okay now and I feel great. So yeah, good. I guess it's like, you know, sort of changing that perspective and that mindset. You know, everyone looks at covid as just as an example, as a horrific time. But I think that there were some beautiful moments during COVID as well. Like what you said, just changing that perspective and looking for those positives. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, obviously with COVID and like our, we haven't played since January last year as a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been like some really challenging times, but we've had, yeah, some really great moments as a group together that I think we've bonded over. And I think in the long run, having an extra 12 months where our group's going to be a massive benefit to us going into the Tokyo Olympics so that's definitely always positives I think everywhere. And how do you feel once you've been injured going back into the game? Are you more like careful or cautious? Um, not really. When I go out yeah. on a footy field I honestly <laughs> don't think about anything. I just sort of... Thinking about the game. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, even if I've got something sore or yeah like recently I've, I've had a sore foot but once I start playing I forget about it and then I'm like, oh, maybe it's not sore anymore. And then once you stop, it all kind of comes back. But, um, yeah, when I'm out there, I'm just in the moment and I don't think about much, I don't think, besides, yeah, my job and having fun. (laughs) Yeah, good. Uh, And what does sound mind, sound body mean to you? Obviously, I know that I play the best when I'm happy and enjoying myself so that's really important to me and my mum always told me when I was younger if I'd had a bad day at school or if I just wasn't in the best mood she'd always tell me to go for a run because I came back and I was a much nicer person (laughs) so I got sent on lots of runs in my teenage years when I was 14 15 but yeah I think it's something that's always stuck with me I always 
know that if I go exercise or if I'm feeling unmotivated in the morning, as soon as I get to training and get either our field session done or a gym session done, I feel so much better for it. I almost feel like it, like, yeah, whenever my body is working and being challenged, it just makes my mind feel happier and at ease and at home. Yeah. How do you cope with dealing with social media in this day and age? You know, I think there's so much competitiveness on there between, you know, other girls. Does that translate into uh, women and women in sport? I've had a really positive experience on social media. I think I've probably been really lucky. My followers are really lovely and and supportive. I think at times girls just are quite competitive. Mm -hmm. So I have been cautious of... Like even at training, I hate trying to produce content there because I am get nervous that people are going to judge me or whatever. But I think these days people know that social media is such a big part of our sport and for me it's the best way that I can promote not only myself but my teammates and our sport as a whole within rugby because at times we kind of get forgotten. So I feel like if we're all promoting ourselves out there and being yeah, good role models for young girls. And they always say you can't be what you can't see. So the more we get it out there, I think the better. But yeah, there is times I get a little bit nervous just because I've got a bigger following, I guess, than some of my other teammates that they'll find it annoying that I'm, yeah, doing stuff at training. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Do you feel that you're, uh, because I definitely think that you are a role model for young girls coming up? I don't know. I find it still a bit surreal that I'm but I know I am and I try and do the best that I can I think you're a really positive role model oh thank you Uh, just like you know (laughs) sitting here with you now like you're just glowing like you're just so positive and happy do you get many girls reaching out to you asking for advice yeah I get a fair few and I always try and either like send them some rugby kit or something for their birthday or anything like that but It was actually a little girl I played on the weekend in like a regional competition. And there was this gorgeous little girl. I think it was her seventh birthday and Mm. she like had braids in and I always used to wear braids when I played. So um, that was really cute. And I was coming off the bench and I was just warming up on the side and she was copying every single thing that I did. So if I'd jump up and down, she would jump up down beside me. And so that was really sweet. She was so cute. And I think the team that I was playing for, like we weren't going that well, but when you get to meet young girls like her it just makes everything feel better and you said that you used to wear braids was is there a story behind that when I first started I had really long hair it's still pretty long but really <laughs> long hair and the commentators complained that they couldn't see my number when it was in a ponytail because it was covering it <laughs> and I've never told anyone else this but yeah. they told me that I had to change my hair or to cut it shorter <laughs> and you're like no I'm not cutting my yeah, hair it was yeah. really odd and yeah, like there's girls that have long ponytails that haven't been told the same thing, but um, that's okay. Yeah. I just started, yeah, wearing it in braids. So I wear number seven and my braids fall either side of the seven. So the commentators can see who I am and the refs know what number I am. So yeah, I still wear them sometimes. It's a really, I don't know, it's a good hairstyle for rugby because it keeps your hair out of your face. Do you still put ribbons in your in your braids with little like mantras yeah I have um I usually on them. yeah usually I either have ribbons or like a scrunchie or something pretty girly I think that was coming through touch footy we always wore like ribbons or headbands or scrunchies as like our matching ones within our team so yeah that's something I kind of think was a bit of a habit that I just 
carried through and a lot of my teammates now came from Touched so they do the same thing as me, yeah. Yeah. And what's it like? So you've gone from Union to NRL. Is there a culture difference between the two? Not entirely. I think with women's sport at the moment, like a lot of the girls had played rugby sevens before or rugby. So we all kind of know each other and are really supportive of each other. And I, yeah, it's quite a nice movement, I guess, to be a part of. Like with sevens, we're full-time professionals. So um, we're obviously so fortunate that Rugby Australia has been able to back us with that. Whereas the NRLW, it was probably about a six to eight weeks that we had together and we trained twice a week mm-hmm. and then played on weekends. So yeah, like just the professionalism of it is slightly different, but the effort that the NRLW girls brought and like the passion and joy that they have for their sport is just the same. And you said before that when you're on the field and when you're playing, you're good at just switching off like all the outside noise. How did you train yourself to do that? I think, honestly, I think it was like, it's just a natural thing for me. Like when I play footy or if we're like at a training camp and I always seem to find myself with all the kids playing bull rush or something. And (laughs) I don't know, I just feel like it's, I'm like good at it and it's where I'm meant to be. Yeah. Um, And it's where I feel my most comfortable. So I guess now that I get to do it every single day, I just feel really lucky that I get to do that. But yeah, it just seems to come naturally to me. I just run out there and automatically I'm having fun and instinctually I think I'm pretty good when it ter- in terms of like rugby decision making and stuff like that just comes quite easy to me but I guess like at the Olympics is probably in the gold medal match in Rio I um was having like an absolute shocker in the first half against New Zealand and I was only 21 and like our coach always t- our ex-coach sorry um Tim Walsh who was there with us he always like brings it up with me about how I sort of just like bounced back from it and didn't didn't sort of yeah, sit in it and, and yeah. yeah like dwell on my mistakes. Mm-hmm. I sort of was like, oh well. So I don't know if that was just because I was twenty one and naive and having the time of my life at my first Olympics or what it was. But yeah, I sort of just have never really been a dweller on mistakes. I think yeah. Yeah, and you were twenty one when you were at Rio. Yeah, is that right? Do you think that you've changed and evolved? Like, do you still train the same physically and mentally? I think probably mentally I've evolved a bit. Like I do a lot more work away from rugby to make sure I'm in a really good headspace. But physically, I think we like train probably a little bit harder now, but that's probably just due to the fact that we've been training longer Mm. and all the sports science and stuff sort of progresses. But um, I've always had a really good work ethic since I've been little. I don't know if it was that I did so many sports, I sort of had to. But yeah, it's just something that my parents sort of ingrained in me that I always had to be the hardest working person on the field. So that sort of thing I think I'm going to have forever, hopefully. (laughs) How are you guys prepping for Tokyo? We are doing a lot of running at training. So I think we're definitely the fittest and fastest that our team's ever been. We are hopefully going to go to Darwin on a few training camps just to get some heat exposure and we're waiting on New Zealand to come over and play some games against us as well and then doing another one with Fiji before we go over to the games. So yeah, hopefully we get a few hit outs in because we haven't played as a group since January last year. So it's been a really long time. But yeah, we're training hard. We're doing the best we can. It's really starting to ramp up. up. Yeah. 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 So you're like one of the pinnacle players in the rugby (laughs) sevens. Do you ever feel that pressure? 
I don't know if I call it pressure. I think like, again, like ever since I've been little, I've the highest expectations I've, I like the ones I put on myself. How do you deal with that? Because, you know, sometimes we can be our, our worst critic. You know, you don't want to get stuck in that sort of headspace of constantly critiquing yourself. Yeah, I'm pretty hard on myself. I don't know. I sort of like I'm hard on myself for like a day and then I just go and work on the things that I thought I needed to work on and yeah, I feel better about it straight away pretty much. Because I think it's normal. Like I went for these uh, three jobs one year that they were for like new TV shows hosting and I like had my heart set. I was like, yes, I've gotten this. And then I found out one didn't go ahead, another one they went with someone else uh, and then the other one I think it, it also just didn't happen. And so all three of them I think I found out in the span of like a couple of days and I remember just being like so hard on myself and I just cried for like a whole day. My partner was, was like just, you know, it's okay, like you'll get, you'll get something else and I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> this is what I was going to be doing. But then I think it's, you know, like what you said, be hard on yourself, learn from it, and then yeah. sort of dismiss it and move on. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's no point really holding on to it, I guess. It's something I think I've always been quite good at. Like I've been playing sport and that's been like what my heart's been set on for so long that I've had to find a way to make sure that it didn't send me crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think has been your biggest setback? Oh, I don't think I've had any that have been that serious. Um I guess the postponement of the Olympic Games, people probably think sounds like a setback, but I think it's actually going to benefit our team a lot. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've had any. I think off field, my partner and I bought our farm in 2000 and the end of 2016, maybe early 17. So then we bought it. We thought like we were killing it. <laughs> Everything was going great. And then, yeah, we encountered one of the worst droughts yeah. in Australian history. So that was a bit of a setback. But yeah, that's um, that wasn't it really in terms of rugby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you guys also had to postpone your wedding. Yeah. Is that right? Have yeah. we, we're booked in? Have we got a date? Yeah. It's set for 18th of December this year. So after Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? So with Tokyo coming up, what do you do outside of training for you just to switch off, have fun? Um, I love socializing. So I hang out with my friends a lot. I probably will tone that down though in the next few months leading into Tokyo. I can sometimes do too much. So I'm always, like I've got a lot of friends in Brisbane still and then obviously Lewis in Melbourne. So I kind of bounce around traveling a fair bit and then at the time you feel fine, but then it sort of creeps up on you and like it's just the added travel and everything can be a bit draining at times. Yeah. And so I probably will tone that down, but that's probably one of my favorite things is just to see all my friends and my family I love going to the farm and riding our horses and that's probably like my favourite place to go. But in Sydney, I spend a lot of time at the beach. Dive in and you're like, oh, my problems yeah. are gone. <laughs> they kind of do say that, hey, sweat, tears in the ocean. Yeah. Three are great for the body. So, yeah, I spend a lot of time at the beach, especially if I want my own time, that's usually where I'll go. I'm happy to just take a book down to the beach and spend hours down there by myself. Yeah. How important is that work-life balance for you? Yeah, I think it's important, except I honestly don't feel like my work is work because it's... You love doing I it. I love doing it, um, like owning our farm. It's also, to me, it's hard work and sometimes it's 
like I find it a lot harder than rugby. Yeah. But I love it as well and I love my animals and I love, yeah, Australian agriculture. So both of them to me don't really feel like work and I always feel like I'm just having fun and so maybe my balance needs to be more work somewhere (laughs) I just don't know where no I think it's the best when you love what you do yeah no I agree obviously I'm so lucky to do what I do it will end one day we know that but I'm definitely going to make the most of it while I'm doing it and hopefully by then I've found something else that I love just as much do you ever think about what you might do after rugby not a whole lot I do think about it like obviously with the farm We'll have that and then I would love to like have my own kind of rugby clinics set up in rural areas. I think that Rugby Australia probably could do better in like the rural space within Australia and growing the sport outside of inner city communities. So to me that would be something that I'm really passionate about and helping that grow and just trying to get as many kids as much opportunity within rugby that I can hopefully help. So you said that uh, when you need to escape, you'll you'll go to your farm to sort of have some downtime. But what do you do if you're on the road? And, you know, maybe you're traveling with all the girls for a competition. How do you get that space that you need? When we're on tour, we definitely don't get much space to ourselves because we room with another girl. I've been lucky enough to usually room with Emily Cherry for like pretty much my whole career. And we just had this great understanding of each other and each other's needs. So, yeah, whether that would be I'd just watch a movie on my own or we'd watch one together or sometimes we'd just sit there in silence and we both just didn't have to constantly talk to each other. And I think finding that we worked so well going on tour together and having each other was probably, like, so beneficial for both of us and our performance. Yeah, there's definitely girls that like to talk all the time and analyse everything and that just doesn't really work for me. So I think it's important that I have, yeah, a bit of quiet time and someone that I know understands that. I love country music as well. So oh, country um, gal. Yeah. <laughs> so I often listen, like I can just put my headphones in on the bus or something. That's probably the best time that you can have. And who are your mentors or who are your heroes? My probably biggest hero in terms of sport would be a woman called Emily Hennessy, she was Hopkin. She's a touch football player. So when I was growing up, there was no rugby players that I could look up to that were women or rugby league or anything like that. So the touch girls were probably my biggest idols. And yeah, Emily, she's like still playing. She just had a fourth baby and she keeps bouncing back from wow. them and coming out and running out at State of Origin. Like she's probably like got the best work-life balance I've ever seen. She's a teacher. She has worked with me when I was still at school. She has a beautiful family and still plays um, a sport that she doesn't get paid to do. She just does it because she loves it. And she's so incredibly fit and has been at the top of her sport for such a long time. And I find that really inspirational. And then I think like my, one of my nanas and my dad and my mom, they're probably my heroes as well. Yeah, amazing. And do you have any advice for uh, young people who might want to get into sport? I think I played sport just because my, oh, I don't know, my parents didn't force me to, but they signed me up and I made so many friends through sport. And I think if anything, that's probably the best thing I'll ever get out of it is the friendships and the connections I've made with people though over time. So that's probably like what I would tell kids is that you don't have to 
all become Olympians. You can just go and have fun, socialise and make lots of friends that you'll have forever. Yeah, do it for the fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So quiet, but such a powerhouse. You need to watch Charlotte play to believe just how quick and agile she is. I'll put some links in the show notes to some of the highlights of her career. Also, be sure to watch the Rugby Sevens matches coming up at the Tokyo Games in the next few weeks. That's it from me. I'm Tegan Nash, and thank you for listening to Sound Mind, Sound Body Stories. Coming up next week... Our next guest on Sound Mind, Sound Body Stories is a woman that truly inspires me with her passion for her sport, but especially her commitment to her family and her desire to help kids with disabilities to enjoy sport and all the benefits that come with being able to keep active and participate with others. Millie Boyle is hardcore. If you see her on the field playing for the Jillaroos or the Wallaroos, you will know exactly what I mean. You put so much into your physical performance, but your mental performance is number one because without that, you can't perform. We have to be mentally proactive so that we can be physically active. But at only 23, Millie has a firm handle on the important things in life. And her story shows how keeping a sound body has helped her to keep a sound mind through some pretty trying times. Listen to Millie Boyle's Sound Mind, Sound Body Story with me, Tegan Nash, wherever you get your podcasts from.